Welcome to the Born to Be a Badass podcast, the show about the intersection of women's empowerment, embodiment, and self-defense, and what women need to know and do to enhance their physical, mental, and emotional safety. Here's your host, fourth-degree black belt and self-protection expert, Cynthia Jalakor-Rude. Welcome to the Born to Be a Badass podcast. I'm your host, Cynthia Jolicarud, and today I am so excited to bring you the second episode of Fierce and Female Friday with Melissa Solt, a truly badass pioneer in the world of women's self-defense and the creator of Fierce and Female Self-Defense. Welcome to the show today, Melissa. Thank you so much. This is a huge topic and we are ready. We are, because today we're going to talk about women as warriors and how women can and really need to tap into their innate fighting spirit or what you call the killer instinct in one of your articles Mm -hmm. to literally fight tooth and nail when the situation requires it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, this is an issue that is really near and dear to me because Mm -hmm. I hear so many times, you know, that violence really just is the domain of bad guys and Mm -hmm. that good people are not violent. And it's kind of a cultural Mm -hmm. thing, but it goes deep. You know, Mahatma Gandhi Mm -hmm. said violence is the weapon of the weak and Mm nonviolence that of the strong. And then Isaac Asimov says violence is the last refuge of the incompetent. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how do we battle that? Because Tim Larkin, who I'm sure, mm-hmm. you know, he, mm-hmm. he has a whole book on this. Mm-hmm. He says in a civilized society, violence is rarely the answer. But when it is, it's the only answer. Right on. Mm-hmm. And I love that. But still, this idea persists mm-hmm. that violence is somehow just mm-hmm. the domain of men and of bad guys mm-hmm. in particular. I think that these beliefs that only bad people use violence, a good person who uses violence has somehow done something wrong. I think those beliefs are pervasive. And when you combine that with the idea that women aren't capable of or shouldn't use violence, it's no wonder that so many women just feel like they can't. Right. And Mm -hmm. so I want to dig into how women can overcome this internal Mm -hmm. conflict about using Mm -hmm. violence. And to kick us off, I'm going to read a quote from you. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So this is like an incredible piece of writing that you did and you lead it off the entire piece with this quote. So, okay. Take a breath and get ready to hear this because it is powerful to be effective in self-defense. You cannot just defend you must attack back. For a female, this is the ultimate reversal. You become the huntress, not the hunted, the predator, not prey. You summon and unleash all your life forces, courage, will, wrath, cunning, physical powers, and use them like secret weapons. Nothing is out of bounds. Nothing is unthinkable. There is little to compare this to. You dial up the creature within. You trade in your polite self for your animal self. You issue the sick command and give that beautiful junkyard bitch within carte blanche permission to go for the throat. That is you from a piece you wrote called Fierce Love, the Heart of the Female Warrior. 
now my heart is just going boom, 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 because that is such a powerful statement right there. It Thank is. you for writing that. And let's get into it. Can you kick us off by yep. giving us like the context of women and violence? Well, first of all, thank you again. Your leadings are phenomenal. And I appreciate that, everything you said, and this topic that is full of conflict. And it's imperative that we dig into this and that we help as much as possible on this podcast, women overcome their inhibitions. And I want to talk about that. And I want to also talk about, because I know some of the folks who listen to your podcast are instructors. So at some point in here, I want to address instructors and talk a little bit about how we can, as instructors, help women overcome these conflicts and what are some of the kind of drills and activities and exercises that we can do to help women really tap into this deep, deep ferocity. You know, one of my questions is always, you know, where do we go inside ourselves to pull ferocity from fear? And that's an important piece of this. So we're going to kind of cover a bunch of turf here if we're able to do that. So, yeah. yeah, violence is a very controversial topic. And, you know, you and I have talked about this before, about, you know, how, you know, we can be wonderful, caring, loving people. I took care of my parents for four years and I love the servitude and all that. And I was a Buddhist practitioner for many years, you know, and we all have our stories. And I always tell women, you know, you can be possessed of Buddha nature and killer instinct, that these are not either ors. And that's something we have to look at and overcome to be able to hold all of this. How, where do we hold this violent potential in ourselves? How, where do we we hold it in our hearts, in our minds, in our skins, in our bodies, and still be the wonderful, caring, loving people, you know, that we are. And as I often say, you know, talk and empathy, two of women's traditionally speaking strengths, if you will, our ability to talk people out of things, to be peaceful warriors. There's all this approval for being the peaceful warrior, but talk and empathy are not always saving graces especially when you're faced with violence or danger. So we need to be able to pull up other energies, other capacities, you know, the killer instinct. And I use that word and I still cringe to be perfectly honest. I still cringe when I say it, mm -hmm. honestly, because it's an ugly, ugly term. And I have been kind of criticized over the years for saying, why can't you say survival instinct? Well, I can't. We can talk about the survival instance, but let's get gritty. If you have to defend yourself and nothing else will do, you know, talk, persuasion, all that has failed. And you have to go physical against typically a guy. And I don't mean to say it's always men. I want to be very clear about that, too. You know, women can also be aggressive, can be brutal. I've worked with a lot of women whose abusers were their moms. So just for the record, I want to say that. At the same time, the predominant fact is that most of violence committed against women is committed by men. So I'm sort of taking the liberty, if you will, of using that term. But if you, a female, have to fight your way out of a situation with a guy who's outsizes you, outweighs you, and is going to use his greater size, strength, dominance, intimidation, terror tactics, all of these things in order to gain compliance and control. And if you have to fight back, because nothing else will do, you had 
better be able to know how to pull up the killer instinct. You had better be able to know how to access your own violent potential. It's kind of on reserve. We don't want it there all the time, but you need it. And so it took me years, I have to be honest, to be able to even say killer instinct without cringing. Really, You know, it makes so much sense, though, because I think for many women, it feels like tapping into these intense emotions and the ferocity Mm -hmm. and contemplating being violent feels Mm -hmm. like, you know, that's not me. I am a good person, a peaceful person. I like Mm -hmm. to help people. If I have to be this way or I find myself being this way, somehow I am not being true to myself. Like this is not me. And what you're talking about is, Mm -hmm. yes, ma'am, it is you. It is part of you. It is. Thank you for saying that. It is part of you. But also what you said is absolutely right. And we're going to get into that because there is terrible often, not always. I mean, not everybody has a hard time tapping into this. There are some women who are like, you know, let me at them. Right. Yes. (laughs) But it does go against the grain. It goes against the grain of female conditioning, of feminine conditioning, of a lot of spiritual practices and beliefs. You know, so it takes a lot of work to get to this, but it's imperative. And to me, it's one of the most important pieces of women's self-defense training. And unfortunately, I think it's often a miss. It's not really taught. It's not really facilitated. And so like we're doing these exercises, you're doing your knees, you're doing your elbows. But, you know, there's a huge difference, as you know, between doing a technique in the air or doing a technique against the pad or in a nice you know, a controlled safe environment and then actually having to bring it to bear against a real person in a terrifying situation. And that's why it's so important. It's so important that we'd be able to access this so that, you know, God forbid, in a real situation, you have to go from zero to 100 percent. Now, go. Where are you going to go inside of yourself to pull that up? That's part of the question that I'm really posing here and that I want to kind of dig into because there are ways and there are places. But the first thing we have to do is acknowledge that this is a problem. (laughs) You know, we have to acknowledge that this is an issue. So, yeah, this capacity for violence. And again, before I get into some more specifics here, and I want to pull up some great, great quotes from women who are academians, early feminist mothers believe it or not, who really get into this. But, you know, we just, I want to just say that women warriors have always existed. There's nothing new about this. I like to say women have always been warriors and deadly dames. (laughs) This capacity has always dangerous and deadly dames. You know, and often it's been in resistance movements. I mean, I am surrounded by books on my desk as I'm talking to you. Women as warriors, you know, warrior women, the digging up of graves only to discover from thousands to thousands of years ago, they weren't just men, they were females in every culture. And I tell this to women, you know, spin the dial on the globe, have it point to any part of the world, Africa, Europe, South America, North America, the U.S., anywhere, you know, revolutionary women everywhere. Women have always been engaged in combat. Women have always been engaged in fighting for what they believed, armed with their love and their fury. Women have always been warriors. 
So it helps. And, you know, when I'm teaching, one of the things that I'm always looking at and encouraging women is to look at their lineage, go wherever they come from in the world. You know, I mean, I've taught in India and all parts of the world in every culture, women warriors in their background, you know, often not in the foreground, but in the background. And so one of the ways that we can help access this part of ourselves is by learning about and connecting to the warrior lineage in whatever our culture is, wherever we come from in the world, that if we, you know, read about it and there's books, and if you can connect to the female warrior lineage, because there's always been women warriors, often not in militaries, because that's been taboo for a pretty long time, but often you see this in resistance movements. There have always been women who've been involved in fighting armed with their love and their fury and the weapons at the time. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So I really encourage women, anybody listening to this teacher, student, whatever to go, you know, spend some time, go online and go, wow, where's my people? Where do my people come from? And where and are the women warriors in my lineage? And you'll find them. And I think there's a sort of spiritual connection there. You know, I think when we look at accessing all of our potentials, the beatific, the warrior, whatever, it's kind of a spiritual process. And I really encourage women to just, you know, consider the spirit of where this comes from. So that's really what I'm saying about that. So if I go back to the topic of violence, one of the things I would like to say, and then I want to pull some quotes and then get into the sort of the nitty gritty of classes and learning. But one of the things that I've always said is that when we discourage, we as a culture, whatever, when we discourage women from learning action, we inadvertently encourage women to submit to victimization inadvertently. Can can you say that again? That's really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. When we discourage women from learning violent or aggressive self-protection, we inadvertently encourage women to therefore submit to victimization. Because that's that's we need that choice. We need that option. Right. And to take it one step further, you know, I would say that when we fail to adequately prepare women and girls to protect themselves from violence and danger, we keep women hooked on fear. This Mm -hmm. is an important thing to understand. If we don't encourage this and teach this kind of en masse in our societies, What's the alternative? Then we are keeping women hooked on fear. And by that, I mean, you know, fear is, again, I'm going to say the word men count upon. They count upon women being fearful of men and their powers. So when we don't prepare women and girls adequately to protect themselves, including violently, then we're keeping women attached to fear. And that sucks. I mean, there's no other way to say it. You know, we want out of that. That's not cool. That's not okay, right? So therefore, we really, really need to, in no uncertain terms, and let's not sugarcoat it. I don't like to sugarcoat language, you know? 
when we're teaching a women fighting, I really am for the language of combat. We take the head, we close on an enemy, we drive through our targets. This is all part of helping women own and embrace and internalize this power, right? Yeah. So this is really important about just being able to own this capacity. And we don't have time to go into all this now, but I will tell you that there have been studies done and perhaps we can talk about that another time. I'm very up on all the studies and the research. And what happens is if we, you know, don't offer women images and experiences of self-defense and even aggressive self-defense, what happens is we increase female despair and helplessness. So for all of the reasons and a million more I could give you, you know, we need to get with this program, (laughs) the fighting spirit, the dangerous dames, the warrior spirit, and let's get real. We have to find a way to internalize violence. We can, you know, name it. We can understand it, but we have to get with that. That's a reality. Yeah, because so there's one really important underlying piece to this, which is a lot of what we are taught about how to deal with conflict and disagreements and, you know, aggressive people and things like that. It's learning how to be a good listener, learning how to and that's true. people. Yes, it's absolutely. And it's about using, you know, particular language skills, I language absolutely. instead of you language and things like that. Absolutely. And that is that's all the absolutely. key to mm-hmm. Exactly. That is all absolutely well and good. And mm-hmm. none of that is relevant mm-hmm. when you are faced with mm-hmm. big, strong, angry mm-hmm. person, mm-hmm. male or female, mm-hmm. who exactly. is intent on wreaking violence on you. Mm-hmm. You know, we're yep. talking exactly. about what do you do when you're past the point of being exactly. able to exactly. calm down, de-escalate, change the dynamics. Right. You know, we're not talking about just, you know, we're having a bit of an argument Using aggressive language is going to escalate it. We're talking about all that has failed. And to me, it's like if you don't have this ability to shift gears and use violence as a tool when somebody is coming at you with violent intent, then you're basically coming into it unarmed. Well, very well said, as you are prone to do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, what triggered that was just you talking about the language of combat and being able Mm -hmm. to use that Mm -hmm. kind of language, because I'm thinking, Mm -hmm. you know, how many bazillion hours Mm -hmm. do we spend learning how to have a good conversation and how to diffuse Mm -hmm. conflict and things like that? A lot, usually. But how do we learn what you're talking about? Right, exactly. And you go to schools and we go to all the, you know, community groups and exactly. Right. And you absolutely are right. You know, this is the last resort. Everything that we said, that's what I mean when I said talk and empathy are natural tools, I think, for most women. But if you're faced with violence, they're not really going to help you. Those are the tools of developing an immediate rapport, of listening, of de-escalating, of just using compassion to live your life and reduce violence. That goes without saying, and it's important actually that you reiterated that. So we're looking at what happens past that point, right? And why we need these other skill sets to do this. If I may for a minute, just to declare myself, identify as a feminist, 
And I grew up in the you know, 60s and 70s and feminism was a big part of my life. Now, I understand that women's self-defense in its incipient earliest stages was born of the nuptials, if you will, between feminism and martial arts. And it began as a resistance movement. Voila. Yes, women's self-defense began as a resistance movement as a way to combat rape and to take our bodies back and to fight back against, you know, the attacks against women. So that's a frame to look at this through. And I'm sitting here with this incredible book by a woman named Robin Morgan, who's actually one of the mothers of feminism. And the book is called Going Too Far. And this may come surprise and shock to some people because she spoke about this back in the 70s. There's a chapter in this book called On Violence and Feminism. And in this case, she's talking about women wielding the tools of violence. Right. Mm -hmm. And so she's talking about how the women's movement in particular have always had our strategic options shockingly limited by our lack of certain tactical skills, especially those required for survival and militant struggle. This is a condition common to all oppressed people, and it's not their or our fault, but it becomes our fault. If we do not act to change that condition, at a certain point, it is contingent upon the oppressed to seize knowledge and skill for themselves in order to free themselves. So here it is right there in a nutshell. Right. And in yeah. this wonderful chapter, she's talking about and this is the late 60s, early 70s, presenting a women's retreat called Women's Skills Summer Sessions, a six weeks basic training where she's encouraging women to learn everything from auto mechanics and car repair. But what is the first two things on the list? Firearms and self-defense. Holy self-defense. Yes. Orientation, firearms, how to use and care for rifles and handguns and self-defense, parentheses, street fighting. Now, this is before, you know, contemporary women's self-defense. So it was mm -hmm. street fighting, combination of judo, karate, aikido, taekwondo, etc. And then it goes on to motor vehicles and plumbing and like all this really great practical nitty gritty stuff because she wanted women to be self-sufficient. Right. Yeah, yeah. And to be able. And so this actually dates back. And a lot of people don't know this the early days of feminism. And so she does this whole thing and there's a rebuttal. There's some women were not happy about this. You know, it's like, what are you talking about fighting and all this stuff? So there was, I'm reading here, the idea sounds good, right? Some women, but why the preparation for violence? Doesn't that make violence inevitability? What do you want? A women's army? We should concentrate on survival and service skills, meaning caring for others. Violence is a male trick. Her response to that, my answer is that violence is no more a solely male capability than is rage or anger, and it may turn out to be a survival or service skill. Men have used their rage in a murderous manner against women for centuries. Does that mean we now have no right to our own healthy revolutionary rage against them? On the contrary, feminists have affirmed that rage in us as the first step towards freeing ourselves. So, you know, here you see slightly different language, you know, has more of a political sound and rhetoric to it, but it's really the same kind of messaging. And this is my favorite quote of all, if I may mm -hmm. indulge me. She says towards the end of this chapter, when she talks about these summer skill sessions, I just I absolutely love this. There are other times and places 
we can share other tools for change. Now, mind you, this is the late 60s, okay? Poetry, music, childcare, dance, on and on. Mm -hmm. But we have neglected certain tools too long. These skills are only tools. They have proven murderous or at least exclusive option in the hands of men. They could be liberating in the hands of Amen. Wow. I know. Wow. Right. I'm sharing this. You know, you don't have to get with my politics or anything like that. But and I'm going to show I'm going to quote one other book that's more contemporary. But what I'm trying to say is there's a whole legacy and history to this. What happened is this became a thing, if you will, back in the 60s or 70s. And that was when I first learning about the women's self-defense movement. And it predates me. And then over time, it got kind of watered down. It lost some of its radical fire, in my opinion, the fire that began with. And it became an industry and, you know, everybody was doing it. And you take yoga, you take a thing. Once something crosses over from being kind of in the subculture into the mainstream, something in its original intent gets watered down or lost. Mm -hmm. And I believe this has happened, you know, with women's self-defense. So I'm going to shift gears for one minute and then we're going to get into the nitty gritty. (laughs) But there's this wonderful, wonderful book called The Seven Necessary Sins for Women and Girls. And it's written by a a well-known award-winning journalist of great intellectual rigor. This is by no means a woman's rant. She's Egyptian Canadian. Her name is Mona. I'm probably going to destroy her last name, Elta Hawi. So she wrote this book and it's about seven qualities that she thinks women need to reclaim. And there's an entire chapter on violence. Okay. An entire chapter, right? Yeah. So I'm big into women's culture and Mona is amazing. So a few years ago, this is a true story. Dan, she's been in fifties, right? Women in fifties, really, you know, a hot, beautiful woman. She's in a dance club in Montreal with her boyfriend and some guy walks by and grabs her ass, right? She wasn't having it. She literally turned around and she threw him to the ground and she mounts him and she's pummeling, punching and knuckles were bleeding. Right. And yelling at him, don't you ever do this to a woman again? And just yelling. Now, some people later criticized her and said, well, it was over the top. Well, maybe I'm not going to argue that point right now. The point why I share this is that she started a hashtag called I beat my assailant or assaulter. I'm trying to forget. Remember the name. And what happened within hours? Thousands of women posted thousands all over the world. I beat my assaulter with their stories, okay, with their Me Too stories, if you will, about punching people back and, you know, not taking it and fighting back. And these are women, a lot of them, no training. That's the Mm -hmm. other thing I want to say is that, you know, there are plenty of women nowadays who are finding this part of themselves with no training because the meme has spread, you know, it's out there, right? And so thousands of women posted saying, you know, me too. And they told their stories. And so that's just an amazing story about her. So in this book, just two quotes, if I may, she says, if violence is the language that patriarchy understands, isn't it time more women speak it, if only for their own safety? 
quote. Now she's quoting a University of Miami School of Law professor. Okay, not too shabby, right? Not scrappy feminists like me, a university <laughs> law professor, right? And this woman says, society would be better off as a whole if more women were willing to engage in justified, that's the key word, violence against men, and fewer men were willing to engage in unjustified violence against women. To that end, this is in a law paper, right? Women's justified violence against men should be encouraged, protected, and publicized. Wow, right? Wow. And then Mona goes on to tell her story. And, you know, there's one last quote here. If men will not refrain from the use of unjust violence against women and the state refuses to restrain them, then women themselves must be equipped to prevent and preempt this violence. Men's disproportionate willingness and ability to use violence against women must be countered, at least in part, by increasing women's willingness and ability to use violence against men. Women must be encouraged to respond to violence with proportional force. And she talks about we need the equally robust right to self-defense. Now, again, interject here that, you know, as you and I understand, it isn't always men. I mean, women right. can be violent, women can be abusive, but we're looking at sort of the largest chunk, particularly in terms of sexual assault, right? So that's why, you know, I just want to be very clear when I quote this. I'm not a man hater. I am absolutely not a man hater, but it's just the reality of most violence against women. So not only am I saying this and you saying this and women self-defense professionals, but this is in the law journals and this is academia. And so there's a whole and this is early feminism. So and there's warriors, you know, women from every part of the world, you know, warrior cultures. So this is huge. This is nothing new. But somehow we've kind of forgotten it. You know, and somehow society has kind of softened this, right? Like you said, we're rewarded more for our niceties, right? Right. And women also come up with some great fears around this. You know, for example, you know, if I hit him or if I do something, then it's going to make it worse. Exactly. And if I may say one thing about, first of all, it's not an unfounded fear and it's not a terribly wrong fear, right? Because Mm -hmm. yeah, somebody bigger and stronger, it's reasonable to say, oh my God, if I fight back, isn't he going to clobber me, right? Or hurt me worse. What I can say briefly, again, this is for another time when I can go into all the studies and research, what much of the research has shown is that the injuries sustained by women who have fought back is not because they struck out and then they got clogged or hurt worse. It's that the injuries were because of the first blows struck against them. Do you follow what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? Yeah. That's where the bulk of the injuries come from. Okay. So a woman is being raped or being, you know, cornered or beaten or wife abuse, whatever. And bam, 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 he's punching her. He's like, that's where the bulk of the injuries first come from. It's not because a woman fought back. In fact, what the research shows us, generally speaking, yes, there are exceptions to the rule, but generally speaking, is that women fighting back is effective in thwarting, that's a key word, violence and rape. 
So there's a lot of research, you know, in this direction. Does that mean you should? Oh, personally, this is going to be some people are going to be freaked out by what I say. I don't tell women they should always fight back. I mean, sexual sacrifice is a lousy option. Submission is a choice. But if a woman chooses not to fight back violently, if she has to, I want it to be because she has assessed her situation and she has determined for her that it is far too injurious, at least in that moment, because the moments will change, not because she doesn't know how to or she thinks that she shouldn't. It's about choice. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's about having the choices. So if we I've been kind of blathering here and I'm I'm really glad that you spoke to that, though, because that's a really common fear. Totally. And it's understandable, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not saying I mean, yeah, you might get hurt. Okay, but let's also consider what is the injury of being raped? What is the injury and the damage to a woman? And that's, again, another topic that we'll do one day. If a woman is violated and raped now, again, so it goes back to having the choices and the option. But now let's dig into the dirty stuff. The dirty stuff (laughs) is the down and dirty stuff. And that's okay. How do we as women learn each for ourselves and each other and give each other permission? Permission is huge. Because in my experience teaching for 40 years, a woman has to give herself permission to fight back. Okay, and that means going against the grain, going against her inhibitions. And that's huge. Right. You have to give yourself permission to access these tools of violence in order to effectively learn them, because otherwise, okay, I'm going to learn hit, strike, hit, but it's not going to be meaningful. If you're not really prepared in heart and body and soul to bring it to bear and you give yourself permission to do what otherwise might be unthinkable, you ain't going to have it when you need it. It's just that simple. All right. Chances are it's not going to be there. So how do we train this? Right. How do we train this, you know, and help women understand that instead of shunning aggression, let's view it as a resource. Yeah. And you said something to me a while ago that I think really captured what you're just about to dive into, which is like why and how we have to, and it's what you said in your quote, it's not just defend, it's unleashing a physical and emotional counterattack. And I think the image that you used was like a Wolverine Mm-hmm. at the throat of an unsuspecting attacker. And when you said Absolutely. that, I just went, oh my God, that is mm-hmm. it. You yes, know, that, that thank we you. We can do that. Oh, girl, you are good. You are good. Yes, yes. We don't defend. We have to be, listen, there are times when defense is right. You know, somebody grabs you by the hand, you, you brush it off, you slap it down, you're defending. Ha. Huh. Now somebody's attacking you. You counter attack. You cannot be in a defensive mindset. You must, yes, become the Wolverine. You have to, exactly. And that's what a Wolverine does. And I use that image a lot. You attack back. And I love it. Furiously, quickly, and aggressively with every fiber of your being because you have to shut that shit down. Have you been struggling with concerns about your emotional or physical safety? I want to let you know about an exciting new coaching program that can help you get peace of mind and confidence. 
I've spent more than 20 years learning how to recognize and avoid people and situations that might be dangerous and how to get out of threatening situations if I couldn't avoid them. I would love to put this experience to use, coaching you in designing your own personalized strategy for keeping yourself safe. Now, my normal coaching rate is $500 a month, but I figured out a way to make this as affordable as I possibly can as an exclusive offer for just eight people. This is the Power Up Your Safety Laser Coaching Program. And in this program, I will work with you over short 15-minute calls to tap into your natural abilities so that you don't have to memorize techniques that you might forget in the heat of the moment, to develop strategies, tools, and skills to protect yourself and not rely on someone else like 911 or your significant other to step in and save you, to learn physical self-defense skills based on what everybody can do that work no matter what your age, size, or shape. You also learn how predators, abusers, and criminals operate so that you can recognize warning signs and avoid being in dangerous situations. You'll create mental blueprints for real scenarios that you might face, which means that you'll be ready to act, not stuck trying to figure out what to do in the moment. And you'll develop a powerful mindset so that you are motivated to take action and don't feel intimidated or stuck in fear. So for these eight select clients, this program is less than $84 a month for a full year of unlimited 15-minute laser coaching sessions with me. We start with a 30-minute call so that I can learn more about your specific concerns and questions about keeping yourself and your loved ones safe. And then with each 15-minute call, we will agree on your homework for you to do so that you can take action between calls to move forward. And once you've done your homework, you can schedule your next call. So for example, you can have your call on a Wednesday, do your homework assignment right after your call and schedule your next call right away. If you recognize that this is the perfect solution to move you from where you are now to where you want to be, just go to my website, cynthiajolokerrude.com slash laser to find out how you can apply to be one of the select group of personal clients who will get one full year of personal coaching from me for under $84 a month. Now, I just want to let you know that I do guarantee my program and my coaching. So if during our first call, you feel as though this is actually not a program for you, I will promptly return your money in full. So there's no risk at all to you in exploring this option. For those women who don't want to jump into a group program or who don't want to spend large amounts of time improving their personal safety, this is the way to go because we can go at the pace that you want to go, spend as much time as you want to spend each week or each month. And what we cover is personalized and customized just for you. I'm so excited to be able to offer this solution for you to help you overcome your concerns about your safety and to finally get you some peace of mind, confidence, and freedom. And I'm thrilled to be able to offer it in a way that suits your schedule and can be customized to meet your specific needs. So 
If you're interested in becoming one of the select number of clients, go to cynthiajolacarude.com slash laser and sign up today. What you're really hitting on is the difference between, you know, when you're defensive, you're reacting. And when you are right. counterattacking, you are in action and yes, you're not waiting for something no. that you can then respond no. to. You're taking the initiative. So somebody's you've tried to calm them down. You've tried every means of peaceful persuasion you could possibly think of. You've tried walking away. You've tried getting help. You've tried looking around for a fire alarm. You could pull anything, right? And it ain't happening. Now this person is coming at you and they're angry and they're enraged and they weigh 80 pounds more than you. Boom, they're coming in. You have to be preemptive. You have to take the initiative. And this is where we talk about in the language of combat. You close the distance, right? You close the gap. You go after them. You don't even wait for them to come in. You move in. You mm -hmm. strike hard, fast, you know, repeatedly. This is a counterattack. Not just one move and, oh, how did I do? Not just like, oh, one knee and, oh, I did pretty good. No. <laughs> right? You're like, bam, strike, go, yo, strike, go. Screaming whatever you can. And I'm lowering my voice right now because I have neighbors. <laughs> And that's what it takes, you know, and it takes a lot. A woman I know, and again, this is for another time when we talk about behavioral clues. It's a story I really, really, really want to tell. It's an incredible story. I can say her name because it was public. Her name is Carrie Potts. If anybody wants to look up her story, it was in Italy. She was locked into a room with the devil. Let's just put it that way. She ended up charging out onto the balcony of a six-story walk-up in the middle of Rome he was trying to kill her and she ended up because she had taken a self-defense class some years ago. And this is a tall athletic woman. She ended up delivering palm strikes. But what she realized, I worked with her on chauffeur ID, that network. She started delivering palm strikes. And what she realized was they weren't, this is a guy who's six, four and carries a big woman, tall woman. I should say he was, this guy is six, four, six, five a little bit drunk, very, a serial predator and maybe killer. So she's realizing after one, two, three strikes that it's not doing the trick. Why? Because she wasn't driving through. Now, this was her insight. Mm. She realized that she couldn't just strike and pull back. She had to close the distance. She had to close that gap and slam and slam and slam four, five, six, bam, bam, hard as she could in her five, 10 frame. And that's what it took to knock him on his ass. And she then jumped over the balcony and fled across the terracotta tiles of roofs to get away from this bastard. Wow. Yeah, it's an amazing story. But that's, my that's point what is, Tim Larkin talks about when he teaches his target focus training is. It's not just smacking superficially. No. It's putting no, your no, no, no. full body behind it full and going body through. And you, you have to go through into tomorrow. You blast through, right? Yeah. So the point is, okay, so the training for defensive tactics is one thing. The training for women to violently counterattack, and it could be off on the ground fighting situation. It could be 
you know, I do a lot of stuff pinned up against a wall and you have to be absolutely explosive, go from zero to 100 percent really aggressively in order to get out of a choke or get out of, you know, whatever. That's what it takes. So how do we train for that? Right. I mean, there's so many pieces of this. One thing I just want to say in terms of, in my opinion, good self-defense training, there needs to be some time in classes where there's discussion. We're sitting around, we're talking about this. A good instructor knows how to pull out good questions. They know how to read a group. They know how to listen to women and figure out what is the common theme and then produce exercises and talking questions around that. So part of it is giving women permission, helping women you know, give themselves permission, if you will, to be able to do this. And then, of course, part of it is setting up exercises and drills and techniques and training in order to bring this to bear in reality. And that's where I really would like to see better training, <laughs> because I think some women's self-defense, and that's, I'm using that term broadly because there's a million styles and so forth, but it needs to be more than just, here's a pad, strike it. Or here's a board, you break it. Like, big deal. The board's not going to attack back. That pad, the one pad, isn't going to scream obscenities in your face and terrorize you. So how do you get through that fear? How do you break through that and counterattack when you're terrified? I mean, really, this is a tall order. I don't care who you are, right? So, you know, it means in training, being able to, even on a simple level, have drills where it's like, strike, move in, strike, move in, strike, move in, bam, 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 bam. And as I like to say, you're a guard dog on a choke chain waiting for your next move. You don't just sort of settle on your heels and go, okay, that was good. Now I'm exaggerating and being a little corny, but you get what I'm saying. Well, yeah, so and I mean, I'm, that's kind of an unconscious tendency too, is to do something and then to kind of look to see if it works. Yeah, admire your beauty. Rather than right. just continuing to go until there is Absolutely no longer a threat. Continuing. And that's where a female instructor then blows a whistle or whatever method you might use. So, you know, Susan's going up and it's her turn and there's a, a you know, maybe a coach, a female instructor, and somebody's coming in and maybe I do a lot of work with eyes closed because you close your eyes it's scary now you're standing there with your eyes closed and somebody's coming up going to come up and slam you well people have to agree to this in advance in the face with a pad boom go now okay <laughs> right <laughs> so it's like that i mean there are ways and techniques and tactics where for example, you close your eyes and then because it's about how do you go from zero to 100 percent in a millisecond? Because that's what it takes. Or in a rape scenario, in a lying down situation, maybe you turn the lights out. It's dark. You're the instructor. You're on your back. You're on your side. You're on the mat. Maybe you have an assistant who's like your, you know, bad guy or a real bad guy. I mean, you know, a padded attacker, bad guy. And maybe you even don't because not everybody has that. Okay, head the light switch. You pull over the women around. Listen to my words. I'm going to talk through this. Keep your focus with me. Breathe. You lie on the mat. You get silence. You create a scary moment. Just breathing. Breathe. And then all of a sudden you narrate. Now somebody's on top of me. Now this is happening. Now this is happening. I'm breathing. I'm talking. Bam! 
bam, you know, kick, strike, whatever it is. And you get that women in the class with you. Somebody turns on the light switch at some point. So there are various tactics and techniques and ways that, you know, is in more about this when I do mentoring with instructors to bring that crackle, that electrifying, terrifying energy of fear into power, into attack mode in a class, even if you don't have like, you know, padded assailants or whatever. But I feel it's this is very, very important. It's not enough just to say, okay, strike or this or that, because, you know, it's what we keep saying in a real situation. Where are you going to go inside of yourself to pull this up? When terror seizes your heart, you can barely breathe or stand. And this is what preparation needs to be about. We need to be prepared for this as well as, you know, unwanted touching and talking somebody down and setting boundaries and awareness and situational awareness, all that and this. And somehow this piece of it often gets lost or trails off or this is not enough time for it. And, you know, my argument to that is make time. Put it in, even if it's just the beginning of it, to give people a taste, to begin, help them awaken to this potential and send them home with takeaways and exercises to be able to find this part of themselves, you know, and use their voice and practice yelling. The voice carries a lot of weight. I mean, actually, the voice is critical because it's what carries the energy. And what happens when we get scared is we hold our breath. Right. Right. We all know that. <gasps> oh, my God. Fear makes us hold. So, you know, practicing yelling and striking and moving and visualizations. I, you know, just visualize yourself waking up and having somebody there. Or if that's too scary for you, just visualize yourself wherever you are right now listening to this. You're sitting in a chair, you're in a room, you're doing this. Imagine somebody suddenly coming into the room with bad intentions, coming to attack you visualize yourself and do it. Get up, run towards them, go into it, go towards the danger, go through them, as opposed to retraining, as opposed to recoiling. Because the moment that we retreat and we recoil and we shrink ourselves, what that does is it gives the enemy, if you will, the the person attacking more power. Yeah, and space. More space and more power, and they get to close the distance on you. It gives them a tactical advantage. So you, you know, practice just what I call the spirit of reversal. Now, in an actual ground fighting, is there such a thing as a reversal? If you're against the wall and you have to get the person off you, it's embodying and pulling up the spirit of reversal. So, you know, just even practices like visualizing yourself, being able to employ the reversal. Somebody's coming in, you go in, you attack back now, go, yell, go through, you know, blast through them, pick up something on your way, going through them and slam it into them, right? Yeah, this is really important what you're saying because, well, I mean, the whole bunch of different things just are bubbling around in my head right now, but you know, we often talk about creating mental blueprints of scenarios that you might, I mean, but you're also talking about embodying them. It's visualizing them and then embodying them too. And if 
just visualizing can create new and stronger neural pathways. What the hell does embodying them do? Clearly makes them better, doesn't it? Double your pleasure. Yes. The other piece is what you hit on that just set off a big bell for me is in classes, what Mm -hmm. often happens is we do drills, we talk about things, we talk about scenarios, we do all this training. And then very often the instructor will say, and then do whatever it takes to get to safety. But very few actually teach you what the hell does does whatever it takes really look like and mean. Yeah, absolutely. What does it mean? Let's get real. Let's ground this in reality. It could, you know, even if it's just a three things, you know, maybe it's like, just lost my earbud, two or three things. What does it mean? You know, it could mean picking something up and slamming a person. It could mean driving into them and monster shoving them back so that you can get out. It could mean just pounding away. You know, it means different things. There's never one answer. There really isn't, but still has to embody that spirit of reversal of taking the attack to the attacker. And, you know, it's not always extreme either, because one of the things that I'm remembering is my younger daughter, she was a bartender before the big pandemic thing hit. And she had an incident where she was driving home after the bar closed. So it was like two or three in the morning and stopped at a stoplight. There's, you know, four way intersection. Her light was red. Nobody around that she could see until this man walked over and tried to open her passenger door and she had not locked the doors, which we did have a conversation about later, but mm-hmm. her reaction was just to floor it. Yeah, and that's right. Floor when she was telling me about it, she was like, mommy, I think I ran over his foot. <gasps> and I was like, too bad for him. Yeah. And, you know, I was really proud of her because she really did take the initiative and she took action, really not caring whether or not it was going to hurt him. You know, Mm -hmm. because for her, it was like, hey, you don't get to get in my car in the middle of the night because you clearly Mm -hmm. have Mm -hmm. something in mind. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I just bring Mm -hmm. that up because taking action and doing something that will harm another person is not always gouging their eyes out or, you know, breaking their necks or something like that. Mm-hmm. No, that's a perfect story. I mean, and your daughter, that was her beautiful. And you see what I love about that is that she didn't freeze. She moved. And if you don't know what to do, move. Yeah, that's powerful. It is, you know, move your body, move away, move into the bra, the attacker, you know, move. I mean, it helps counteract the freeze response. And that kind of goes without saying that's kind of woven into what we've been talking about in terms of training and self-defense classes is overcoming the freeze response and, you know, patterning and movement, you know, as opposed to freezing and breathing, yelling. These are some of the quickest ways to undo the freeze response and mobilize action. So yeah, that's a fantastic story. You know, I'm glad she's okay. And because I mean, honestly, without training, uh, some people might just freeze and go, and then, you know, unfortunately that 
person gets in the car. So moving, whether it's your body or your vehicle, is critical. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It really is. So, you know, in trying to wrap this up and put some closure on this, it's just it's a non-pleasant subject. But it's important. I mean, a lot of things in life are unpleasant. Illness is unpleasant. Heartbreak is unpleasant. You know, loss is unpleasant. There are so many things that are hard. And just fighting back in self-defense is hard. It takes training and it takes support and it takes learning and it takes unlearning. You know, it's all of the above. But um you know, the more women give themselves permission and the more we have classes and experiences where women can en masse do this and, you know, join together and support each other and, you know, cheer for each other and yell together and share stories. It's just, you know, because the empathy piece is important. And this is what I love about women. One of the things in classes is that we do learn from each other. You know, so one woman in a class can tell a story about something and somehow we all feel it in our skins because empathy works for us. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that's a great advantage. You know, that's really a great advantage. We feel each other's fear. We, we feel each other's power. We feel each other's strength. And so, you know, again, connecting to the lineage piece is very, very helpful. But you know, we have to be willing to somehow come to terms with the female capacity for violence, just like any female animal. I mean, for God's sake, we're animals too, right? We don't think twice when it's like canine or a, an animal in the wild. You know, we applaud like, oh, look at that female. Right. Same. Well, yeah, I mean, with the image of the mama bear, right? I mean, the mama right. bear is a fearsome, ferocious beast and you do not want to mess with her, you know, but that fearsome aspect and that ferocity don't just belong to the bear that belong to us, too. Absolutely. And, you know, I often talk about the lioness as one of my favorite creatures because, you know, the female lioness doesn't look out at the Serengeti or whatever, she doesn't question whether she's capable of taking down another animal. She only has to ask herself if she is hungry enough to do so. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's like, yeah, we have to have the same relationship with our own capacity for ferocity. If that's an easier term, fine you know, ferocity, because it's in there. But we have to have a relationship with this part of ourselves. We can't keep it at bay and just think, oh, I'm a nice person. I'll learn a little nice self-defense over here. You know, I'll learn how to say no and I'll learn how to set boundaries. But that's about as far as I'm going to go. It ain't far enough. You're kidding yourself. Yeah. And also, I think in order to tap into this what you call fighting heart and strength and willingness to take some hits mm -hmm. to really mm -hmm. tap into physical fury i think mm -hmm. you have to have a sense of self-worth that Absolutely. you are worth protecting that you have a right to be on the planet and to have your space on the planet and to not have to suffer 
any indignities, indignities, yeah. intrusions, mm-hmm. you know, unwanted any mm-hmm. kind of intervention. Mm-hmm. You have a right to not have Absolutely. to be on the receiving end of that. And so that's really great that you said that because it makes me think you can look at this as a continuum. On the low end of the spectrum, you know, it means having the right to say no. Or no, I'm fine. I don't need any help. Thanks. Or just no, you're too close. Or no, I don't want this or that. Or no, I don't want to go out with you. Right. So that's kind of the low end. You know, if we move up that spectrum, you know, this is kind of the stronger end of that spectrum, but it's all part of the same right to not have to suffer indignities the right to protect ourselves. And that exists on a wide continuum. And, you know, this is just up that scale, (laughs) right up that scale. So, you know, I would encourage people listening to this to really just, in a sense, just to think about all this, to visualize themselves fighting back, visualize somebody coming towards you and you closing that space, you getting out of the chair, you going in, you attacking back, not waiting for the problem to come to you, but taking that initiative, you know, practice yelling, you know, practice using your voice, practice saying no, you know, practice just giving yourself permission to do, to know that you have a right to defend yourself. And even if that means hurting somebody else, that's just sometimes what it takes. You know, I mean, again, you know, look at all the ways in which women get hurt. It's horrible. So you have to give yourself permission to hurt somebody in order to be safe and in order to be okay. Yeah. And I think one really important piece of this too, is that it's not somewhere that we want to go, but it's somewhere that we may have to go. And the person who's responsible for us having to go there is the the other other person. person. Right. Exactly. That's really well said. Yeah, that's absolutely right. It's the other person who is creating a situation where this may become a necessity. Yeah. And you know, guys do this all the time. I mean, that's the other thing is, you know, going back to some of what I read earlier on, it's like violence has long been, even in sports or whatever, the kind of men have had the patent on that. And it's like, no, we get to claim it too. Yes, we do. Because we're all whole human beings. Totally. Well, Melissa, I was going to ask you if you had any tips to share, but you just did. So I don't need to ask (laughs) you that. (laughs) And I think uh, we've shared a lot. Yeah, honestly, there is a lot to think about and ponder and try out in this episode. So I just want to say thank you for hopping on today. Is there anything else? One thing. Yeah. Yeah, there's one thing. I mean, sometimes it helps people to write things down. And sometimes women say, well, I'm not sure where I draw that line. You know, I mean, what would it take for me to do this? So sometimes it just really helps to be able to write down and say, you know, if somebody crossed my boundary this far, you know, what would I do? What am I willing to do? And just to be really clear with yourself, if somebody punched you, are you willing to go physical in an aggressive way? I mean, it just it sometimes it's just very helpful to just write things down and be very, very clear with yourself, because the truth is, in the moment, there's no time to kind of wander around our minds and go, wait, what do I do here? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, what's okay here? I often think about it as like a firefighting. You know, they are willing to enter the blaze, but they made that decision a long time ago. If they had to wait until each situation and go, hmm, do I or don't I? A lot of people would be dead. So, you know, just give yourself, write some of these things down. You know, at what point would you be willing to go to an extreme of violence? And I mean, we all know, yeah, to protect your young, but get past that. What about for you? Yeah, You know, I mean, it's harder often for women to be able to say, well, I'd be willing to do that for myself, but we need to. So just think about that. Write some things down. Visualize yourself on the offense, becoming aggressive. And, you know, spend some time with this part of yourself, this lioness, and get to know her. Well, that is a perfect place to draw the episode to a close, I think. That's just awesome. So thank you for coming back on the show to do another episode of Fierce and Female Friday. Melissa, this has been terrific. Well, and thank you so much for joining me and companioning me and, you know, being my partner in this. It just I wouldn't you know, it's hard to do this alone. So I really, really want to thank you and appreciate you for your input and your contributions. and you know, doing this with me, it really means a lot. So Cynthia, thank you. Well, thank you too. This is awesome. And I just want to tell our listeners, if there are some questions that you have that you would like for us to address, you can Mm. send them in. There is a link in the show notes, or you can send them to Cynthia at joliqueur.com. And that's J-O-L-I-C-O-E-U-R.com. This has been the Born to be a Badass podcast with a special episode of Fierce and Female Friday with Melissa Salt. Stay safe and be a badass. You've been listening to the Born to be a Badass podcast, the groundbreaking show that shines the light on women, violence and safety, life after trauma and how to build personal power and courage. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode and share it with your friends, family members, and colleagues. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review that will help our show reach more women around the world. Tune in regularly for more exciting conversations full of insights and wisdom you won't hear anywhere else. And until next time, embrace your inner badass.